No, we can't dance together. No, we can't talk at all. Please take me along when you slide on down. Hey, Steve Coleman. Hey, Steve Cuff. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, also joining us today, when you need a bit of loving because your man is out of town, that's the time you get Sean Glynis running, and you know he'll be around. Sean, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. And our very special guest, uh, a man who was too busy vomiting on a bus to join us last time, uh, you've been telling me you're a genius since you were 17. In all the times I've known you, I still don't know what you mean. The weekend at the college didn't turn out like you planned. The things that pass for knowledge, Adam Myros can't understand. Well, I, I'm glad you scripted all this out. <laughs> uh. We have a clear theme. Come on, it's tying into the whole episode. This is very exciting. <laughs> we, you know, we have a very dedicated uh, listener base. That's uh, it's like forty-five to fifty-five-year-old men, <laughs> and they're just they're fucking floored right now. And Co and Coachella goers, and Coachella goers as well. And we're gonna get into that because uh, apparently uh, Steely Dan is the hipster band du jour. Who knew? Who knew? Uh, well, Steely Dan aside, I'm actually pretty fucking pissed um, because I'm missing the network television premiere of Frankenweenie, uh, <laughs> which is, I mean, thanks a lot, you fucking assholes. But I guess there's not much we could do. We have to do a podcast, so whatever. Sure. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Sean, you um, you sound like you're broadcasting live from the bathtub. What's going on? Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to to go for most consecutive podcasts from the most unusual place. I'm in. Um, I'm in my girlfriend's studio apartment bathroom. <laughs> is she like? Is she like in the other room? Yeah, she's cooking and watching TV. Ah, okay. All right, fair enough. Well, I guess you know that's, that's what uh, that's what women do. That's that's what they do. They watch their uh, they watch their soaps, and they make their goulash. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I, th I think it adds something to the podcast. We had a real good NPR vibe going last week with, you know, with you in the garage with your mom and stuff, so that was pretty right. good. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, what we can do next time. Who knows? Who knows? I think we should really just shove you in the into a bar bathroom. That'd really uh, be interesting. <laughs> that way we can get the guests that come in to take a piss. They can kind of weigh in on whatever we're talking about. <laughs> Especially if you go to uh, the right bar, you know, some some big Steely Dan fans, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to try something a little bit unusual while we're doing this. Um, I got uh, I had Christmas with my family uh, last week, and my mom, in her infinite wisdom, thought it would be a good idea to get me... Uh, okay, so you know the, the clear plastic candy cane things that you get, and they fill them up with Hershey Kisses? Mm-hmm. She got me one of those, except it's filled with miniature bottles of flavored vodka. Wow. <laughs> so uh, today we're going to be enjoying uh, salted caramel, uh, whipped, which I assume is whipped cream. Uh, the one I'm very excited for, the official Cinnabon cinnamon roll vodka. And uh, 
inexplicably peach, which doesn't really fit with the theme, but whatever. Hmm. So I'm assuming this is Pinnacle, the official yeah, drink. Yeah, it is. The, uh, the that's, that's our, girl. That's our, uh, that must be our sponsor, I guess. <laughs> sponsor us. I'm drinking your shit on air. Did okay. you say inexplicable peach? Yeah, inex- well, no, I just said it's inexplicably <laughs> peach. Oh. Because we have this, like... The theme currently is, you know, it's cinnamon roll, whipped cream, and, and salt, and then peach. What does the fruit come in? I don't understand. Not very wintry. No, absolutely not. I was I was hoping for, like, a candy cane, maybe, something a little fucking festive, but whatever. Hey, that's a better Christmas gift than what my mom got me, a car jack. She did get you a car jack. Well, that's what you asked for, Sean. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> what is you you asked for an auxiliary jack for your stereo, right? You needed a, a yeah. stereo auxiliary jack. <laughs> and she thought said. you meant that you were you were terrified that you were going to like lose your current jack, I guess, and that you needed <laughs> she's, she's probably just she was probably just hoping that I was becoming an adult, like really responsible. <laughs> you jack up the car from both sides now. That's yeah, every adult deal. needs a backup jack. <laughs> that's that's right. That's how you know you made it. 401k and a backup jack. <laughs> Well, and, and Myros, I, I think you win. I, I don't know what you got for Christmas, but your uh, three months early birthday gift was a fucking home run, that's for sure. It, it was. I, I actually do have the card handy, not that I not that I planned it, but uh, I, I received a, uh, a fart-centric gift pack for my uh, 30th birthday uh, from my very, you know, thoughtful... And again, you were you got this in like November or some shit, and your birthday's in February, right? It is the end of January. Oh, yeah, uh, whatever, yeah. close enough. It's like the Super Bowl can go either way. It was uh, it was quite inexplicable. I, I just opened the mail and I was like, "What the hell is this package for?" And uh, yeah, there was inside several shirts that would be appropriate for no one over the age of let's say ten. <laughs> <laughs> And also, uh, the card uh, is the kicker. It has this uh, fantastic poem. Uh, I'll read it on air. Yeah, I was saying, if you could could do a dramatic reading for us, that'd be great. We're all about, like, you know, poetry and art and shit, so. Uh, Will do. This this was a real, it's a real winner. With Uh, gusto, please. All right, sir. Uh, When too many beans end up in your gut, they can make you yodel with your butt. So please, don't let the badger loose. Squelch the honk of that trouser goose. <laughs> wow. Uh, you might think this is wrapping up, but it's not. Uh, <laughs> don't let old Fluffy off the chain. Or let rip with a choo-choo train. Say no thanks to fanny squealers, blanket rippers, and house paint peelers. Plug barking spiders, sphincter whistles, <laughs> anal volcanoes, and methane missiles. Skip the beans, have a piece of cake, and enjoy your day for heaven's sake. Oh my god. Uh, Written by the bard himself, right? Are, are we supposed to, like, snap after somebody reads poetry? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Isn't that a thing? I don't know. Well, credit where credit is due, this this poem is known as Butt Yodel, and it was written by the uh, immortal Ben Crane. Oh, Ben Crane. <laughs> it sounds like a Mad Men character. 
<laughs> and here I thought it was Wordsworth, but, you know. Uh, all right. We should probably, you know, talk about things. Not not that but poetry isn't important. In fact, I'd probably argue that it's the most important thing, but uh, we, we do have our dedicated listeners to serve. So I want to start, start off. Sean, I know you saw Foxcatcher. Oh yeah, this past weekend, and I was I was kind of on the fence about seeing it. A lot of people have been stopping me on the street and saying that uh, I'm I'm like Billy. the Channing Tatum to your Steve Carell, and I just want to know <laughs> if you felt the same way. Huh? Interesting. Uh, no, but uh, it's funny. Like, so you mentioned those two because those are like marquee names. Um, but what should be like? Who should be talked about during Foxcatcher discussion should be Mark Ruffalo because. He's like, he's definitely like the beacon of this film, and um, he's like the one who's not doing like sort of a SNL character. Oh, okay. Um, but he, yeah, Mark Ruffalo is super good. Like, I didn't even know he was in it until I heard somebody say something about it, and then I watched watched the movie eventually, and and um, yeah, he, he's he's great in it. But um, yeah, were you were you looking for just a a, a review? I just want to know if it's if it's worth my money. Do I should I uh, brave the cold and plunk down eight bucks, or is it not really worth it? I wouldn't I wouldn't pay eight bucks for it unless you're really interested. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean I torrented it, but I would have paid eight bucks prior. But um, you fucking pirate. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a Bennett Miller has like this weird, Sans Moneyball has this weird type of filmmaking where it's like very distant almost to a fault like mm-hmm. very observational and it, it seems like he's taking some sort of like moral high ground but really he's not really saying anything and what's and it's it's about wrestling and and maybe it's, gay it's, sex but we're not sure it's kind of like um <clears throat> it's kind of like the bastard child of the master uh, oh god <laughs> yeah yeah you could probably like Picture why. Um, are there any hand jobs in there? Yeah. Uh, no, no, I don't know if there. There's like one woman who's in it for probably like an accumulate like thirty seconds. Sienna Miller. Sure. <laughs> the one from <laughs> the one from Alfie. Oh, Vanessa Redgrave. Oh, I thought it was Sienna. Ooh, Whatever. Good call, anyway. Steve Coleman. Yeah, I'm just looking at the IMDb thing here right now. <laughs> You got Leonard Maltin's fucking movie guide out, don't you? <laughs> Flipped to those page. pages. <laughs> Flip to page 232. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's in a similar vein to The Master, but it's just not as interesting. Huh. Fair enough, fair enough. I am disappointed about the lack of hand jobs, though. I um, You can you, you know. can sort of like do a choose-your-own. Okay, uh, choose-your-own hand job adventure? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's it's always fun. Just another Saturday night at home. (laughs) Just another Saturday night at home. Uh, Okay, let's. uh, I I actually I saw a movie uh, earlier this week on Tuesday. Uh, I went and I saw Inherent Vice, which uh, I I didn't think it was a big deal. I I ended up I signed up and I got free tickets for it. There was some like some special screening or something. And it was me and some press people and then a bunch of people with mustaches. 
You're supposed to say you were there representing op optimism vaccine. Ah, yes, I, I was there representing optimism vaccine, and I had on a, a like a duster hat with a little card on it that said <laughs> press. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty great. <laughs> I actually I got two free tickets, and I couldn't find anyone to go with me, so I, I took Devlin Satan fingers. But he um he didn't actually watch the movie. He was just rolling around in the aisles and crawling under the seats and like licking the sticky soda off the ground. It was weird. <laughs> Well, whatever, you, whatever you got to do to catch a buzz, right? Um, <laughs> was he like, was he doing the the Drake thing and just yelling, "I am media"? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he was doing actually. At the end, it was a, a really weird way to wrap things up, but you know, whatever. Uh, anyways, uh, so I went and saw the movie, and I'm gonna have a review up on Optimism Vaccine on Monday. So oh, nice. that'll that'll be yeah. a thing. I'm gonna uh, check that out this weekend. I'm excited. You, you probably should. It's it's something. I, I called Myros actually right afterwards, and I had a hell of a time sort of articulating my feelings on the movie. You know, it's it's one of those things where you where you walk out of it and you're not quite sure exactly what you just saw, and it was certainly entertaining. It was just like, what what the fuck, you know? It's yeah. It's it's funny you say that. Um, I was going to mention um, uh, on Mark Maron's podcast, um, he just did like a, a pretty long. Uh, episode with Paul Thomas Anderson that's worth checking out, but he tells him that that's like a recurring thing when he goes to see his movies is that he walks out and he's just kind of angered because he doesn't know what to think immediately. Yeah, I, I can kind of see that. Um, I suppose maybe with something like The Master or something like that, most of his movies, well, except for Magnolia, because fuck Magnolia, but um, that's my hot take for the podcast. Hello. <laughs> uh, brutal, scathing. <laughs> Most of his movies, it's like you, you want to watch. You want to watch them more than once to kind of enrich your experience and kind of let things, you know, digest a little bit. And it's a good idea to see a, a PTA movie more than more than once. But with this one, it's like I feel like I could watch it six times and still not wrap my head around it. And at the same time, I kind of feel like that's the point. It's very faithful to uh, Thomas Pynchon's uh, like writing style, where. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you've read, like, you know, like Gravity's Rainbow, Crying a Lot 49, pretty much all of his books, he creates this this really insane world where it's, it's like, really fascinating, but you always feel like you're the dumbest guy in the room. Like, you, you're just like, what the fuck is going on? And at least when you're reading his book, you have the option to go back a few pages and go, okay, like, what the, what the fuck, what the fuck? But with the movie, it's just everything is just going by you so fast, and it's, it's insane. And you just have to kind of sit back and go, okay, this is nuts, and I guess I'll just go along for the ride. Hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. It's is it worth seeing? Absolutely, it's it's definitely worth seeing. But it's just, it's it's so much. Hmm. Just imagine like Big Lebowski and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas kind of smashed together, and then you know, kind of filtered through incoherent film noir, a la The Big Sleep or something like that. Just insane. Lots of fun character names, I'm guessing, with the with the pinch on, right? Yeah, yeah, and and there's there's all kinds of just little things, little idiosyncratic things. Like the main character's name is Doc, and he's a private detective, and they call him Doc because his his office is for no reason at all. It seems like in a doctor's office, and that's never to explain. It's just it's just something you just like. Okay, that's that's what's happening. Sure. <laughs> and Joanna Newsom's in it. Is she? What the fuck does she do? I don't know, but she's in it. How? Oh, uh, Martin Short. 
Yeah. Oh, Martin Short is great. He does a shit ton of heroin and tries to have sex with an underage girl and a not so underage girl. So it's like a documentary. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. How? Uh, old? Oh, and so. he's a dentist as well, but not not in the same doctor's office as Doc. <laughs> <laughs> and he may be part of a drug cartel, or he might be a, a part of an organization of dentists, or <laughs> he could just own a golden schooner. We're not quite sure. So that's the kind of movie it is, if you're wondering. <laughs> Just absolutely nuts. Uh, so, yeah, in addition to that, we were thinking, you know, it, it kind of falls into this whole, like, neo-noir subgenre of film. Uh, and I think, Steve, you brought it up earlier this week, and I figured we'd talk about it. Uh, this is the 30th anniversary of the Coen Brothers' Blood Simple, their, their first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, I thought was one of the earlier examples of what we would consider neo-noir, but Myros and I both had the uh, the same <laughs> kind of experience when we were looking things up for this podcast where we're like, oh shit, neo-noir goes back to like the 1950s and nobody can give a clear definition of what the fuck it is. Huh. So, Myros, do you, do you want to talk about that a little bit? I just, like, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I, I I went the wiki rabbit hole route, and uh, I was expecting, you know, like I was expecting to see like Verhoeven's Fourth Man and and Blood Simple and stuff like that listed as as kind of the progenitors. And uh, yeah, it's defined as anything post fifties, like forties and fifties are noir, and anything in nineteen sixty or later is considered neo noir. It, it's it's real, and they they almost consider like every film that involves crime in any way is not a list of... It's like, how many fucking movies is that? So so did they just not get good until movies like Blade Runner and Blood Simple? Well, it's just weird they consider so many things as neo-noir. Like, it's it's just a totally amorphous category that's just... It's yeah. everything. It's like Scorsese. Every Scorsese movie is a neo-noir, and every uh, Michael Mann movie is a neo-noir. It's just like, really? That I don't really get that at all. But. Yeah, and other things too, like they mentioned, um, I remember I was looking at a list and it's like, The French Connection. I'm like, isn't that yeah. just a crime movie? Like, that's... That, no, that's interesting though. That I could see a case being made just for some weird, like, like the lighting isn't the same. Like, there isn't like that chiaroscura or whatever stuff, but like, there's some interesting, like, movements that's pretty subtle within, like, just the crime genre there. Yeah, I, I just, I mean... Aside from the whole crime aspect, um, and then like you know your your nebulous plot who done it shit, uh, I think I think the look is important too, which yeah. Blood Simple absolutely nails. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the few color movies that I've seen where the use of light and shadow is is fucking perfect. It nails like that that kind of contrast of a black and white movie, and it's goddamn gorgeous. Like yeah, there's who so much. Uh, it's the guy who went on to direct like Get Shorty or something. Whoever that guy's, whoever that. Guy Levinson. Is. I love that guy. <laughs> Get oh, Shorty, no. man. You just love envy, Steve. <laughs> I do love envy. <laughs> what is that? The <laughs> that's, that's that's not a joke. That's facts. <laughs> is that like Ben Stiller and Jack Black? Mm-hmm. Christopher Walken. Penned by Larry David, but he took his name off before they released it. I wonder why. <laughs> was that a, that was a direct to DVD, wasn't it? No. Uh, oh no. fuck, that came out in the theaters. <laughs> they uh, they delayed the release by at least a year, though I think. 
Um, so did Larry David come up with the like dog poop be gone aspect <laughs> of the script? <laughs> <laughs> Larry David is known for his poop jokes. <laughs> How he made it big. He's the scatological guy. I don't. I mean, well, I, I, we're going off on a tangent here, but <laughs> I don't think Larry David can write a good movie. Has he ever written a good movie? Um, you know, I think Sour Grapes wasn't terrible. I I think I think he'll do whatever it takes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Just to be in a movie. <laughs> the oh, answer is the answer is by the way not Barry Levinson, it's Barry Sonnenfeld. Oh, they're the same. Uh, Barry Levinson's the new Barry Sonnenfeld or vice versa <laughs> or something. All right, before before we continue this discussion, or while you guys continue to discuss, I'm going to go ahead and open up my Pinnacle Cinnabon Cinnaroll Vodka. (laughs) Pinnacle Vodka, it's the choice of people who drink for free. (laughs) I can smell it all the way over Minneapolis. Oh, Jesus, fuck. (laughs) So Seinfeld has also done uh, several Cohen movies. He did uh, Raising Arizona and Miller's Crossing as well. Yeah, he was like the he was like the pre-Deacons. Right. Yeah. That's all. Those are like the two major Cohen eras for the cinematography. Well, uh, speaking of, uh, I guess the whole catalog. Or I, I guess we can talk about Blood Simple first before we move on. Sure. Um, we probably ought to. I, I would That's say a good idea. <laughs> Go ahead, Myros. One more note on the neo-noir thing. I, to me, the, the major aspect that they're, they're missing with these lists is it has to be pulpy. Like, the, the pulpy aspect, to me, is, is one of the things that's defining about noir. Like, it, yeah, it, yeah. there's a certain feel to it that a lot of these rote crime movies just don't have. It, it's got mm-hmm. this. And uh, Blood Simple has that in spades. I I went in, I rewatched it for the podcast here, and... I had only seen it about 10 years ago when I was really first starting to get into film, and it, it was probably, I'd, it was one of the last Coens I actually got around to watching, and I, I didn't love it at the time. I, I thought it was a lesser work, and uh, just re-watching it the other day, I, I can't say how wrong I was. It's, it's a fantastic movie. It's just about mm-hmm. a perfect, really, really tight script. Yep. Uh, incredibly well-motivated characters and well-defined, and it's really a tight movie, especially for a debut and uh, the limited budget. Uh, it's impressive stuff, and it looks great. It's yeah. the cinematography is gorgeous. Looks that's good. In, that's interesting. Good. That's interesting to hear because my my experience was was the same, except I didn't watch it because. Um, Someone stole my DVD. If you're out there, if you're listening to this, <laughs> um, I want it back. But uh, but no, I, I hadn't watched it in probably like ten years, and it was like one of the last ones I got to, and I I, I was like somewhat underwhelmed. But um, so I wasn't sure if returning to it would be as good or not. I, I, it's worth it. it it's yeah. it's uh, a lot better than you remember. <laughs> I think uh, the the thing that I admire the most about the script is. Uh, when, when you have this kind of movie, I, basically what it is, is it's a bunch of people who commit a heinous crime or a series of heinous crimes, and they just fuck everything up. So the problem you run into here is, how do I write these characters so everyone that's watching it isn't screaming at the movie screen, you know, like a horror movie where you're like, why the fuck are you doing that? And it, it works. Like, these are really flawed, stupid people who make silly mistakes, and basically the whole movie hinges on their inability to communicate with one another. 
and how by not communicating they just they perpetually fuck everything up. Uh, and it's it's a really really interesting approach. That, yeah, I, yeah. What what you just said is like the epitome of Cohen Brothers. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. What they, yeah, one of the things that I really appreciate is how they left the characters ambiguous enough that you didn't really know what they were capable of. Yeah. So it never seemed out of character when they, you know, when he buried the man alive. Spoilers uh, for a thirty-year-old movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> what? So it, when our our protagonist ends up burying uh, the man alive, it, it seems like a really brash act, but. And you, you maybe at the time aren't quite clear as to why he's doing this, but it, it becomes properly motivated in the script, and you just you don't know the characters well enough to say that's out of character or you're, I mean you're introduced as a protagonist, but you you don't know that he's a, a good guy, and, and really he's probably not. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Coleman, uh, what do you think about it, Coleman? Oh, Coleman, I thought you said Cohen. <laughs> Stephen Cohen, ladies and gentlemen, Ethan Cohen is in the room with us. <laughs> what do you think of your own film? Um, yeah, I, I might say it's my favorite Cohen Brothers movie. Ooh, boom. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, these Cohen Brothers are okay. I'm more of a fan of the other Cohen, the one that wrote uh, Garfield and Garfield Two: mm. A Tale of Two mm-hmm. Kitties. The one who yes. tricked Bill Murray into voicing Garfield. That's, yeah, see, now that takes that takes talent. Mm-hmm. I would also add if you're if you're big into uh, what, uh, their Oscar winner, why can't I spit that out? No country. Uh, no country. This is definitely the uh, the prototype for no country. It's uh, it is the most Coen Brothers. Uh, I mean, it doesn't feel like a typical Coen Brothers movie, but once you see No Country, you can really see the parallels between mm. them. I actually, uh, I first saw Blood Simple right after I saw No Country in the theaters. Um, so that was my immediate experience with it. Um, and I totally agree. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, one of the funny things I thought was, I, uh, I was looking at my, my DVD cover, and there's, there's two things that stick out on it. Uh, the first is... The disc. Uh, well, the disc, it's, it's, it's round and shiny, which I wasn't expecting that. Uh, no, there's, there's a quote on the front from Newsweek that says it, it's something ridiculous. It's just like, one of the most original films of the decade. And it's like, I don't think that's the best way to describe it. It's really <laughs> fucking good, and it does a lot of things right, but I think it succeeds because it takes tropes and things that we're familiar with, and it takes film noir, and it, it twists it just ever so slightly... So it's a little bit different, and it's so well executed, and that's why it succeeds. It might um, be my favorite ending of any movie ever. Huh. For some reason, that shot of him like being underneath the sink and just that drop of water coming off. Oh, the- yeah, just watching the water drop come down. And then Walsh is just like losing his shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love his laugh, too, where she's just like, uh, oh, what is, what is her husband's name? Um, or... I, oh, soon to be ex-husband uh, Ray. Ray. She's like, Ray. I'm not gonna let you hurt me, Ray. And he's just like, ha ha ha. Crazy ass laugh. It's actually you know, Marty. Not... Yeah. You know what else? You know what else? Like uh, at, around the same time, did the same thing with those tropes, but in a different way. It was uh, uh, Blue Velvet, which I think is interesting to think about as a neo noir. Yeah, and that came out. What was it? Probably like a year or two after. Okay. Yeah. 
I sure. don't know. I'm, I'm I think, sure. well, Blood, Blood Simple was 84, so Blue Velvet 85. had to come out in like 86, 85 okay. maybe? Okay. Mm-hmm. Close enough, but yeah. Uh, but, uh, Steve, Steve, can you flip through uh, Leonard Bolton's thing and find? Yeah, let me let me yeah. check Leonard's guide real quick. Uh, that page. See what is... Lenny has to say. It's eighty six. Oh. So the next Maris, year. Maris is a faster page flipper than me. Yeah, eighty six. Okay, a year later. Um, but uh, <clears throat> it's interesting because uh, just thinking about the Cohen's um, catalog and, and neo noir. Um, what was it, like 2003 or something, they did The Man Who Wasn't There? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yes, yes. Which, which uh, incidentally, is another Coen Brothers DVD where I have the case, but the DVD is missing. So if you're out there... <laughs> you fucked up, Sean. But uh, that, that's, a much, that's much more of a stylistic exercise, but really, really good, nice, a nice one. <clears throat> I really love that movie. Uh, it's got some of the best black and white photography you'll ever see. Yeah. Yep. Pretty fucking. And you can watch awesome. it in color if you still have the DVD. Um, <laughs> the person who's out there. Did you just like? Did you just loan an ex-girlfriend all of your good Coen Brothers movies? Is that? Yeah, and I was like, this one you can't have the the cover because I want to look at the cover. But did put she this, put this DVD in your in your um car CD case? There you go. I'd like to think that uh, you you made you made an ex-girlfriend very upset, so she went through all of your Coen Brothers DVD cases and uh, replaced <laughs> them all with um, like intolerable cruelty or something. Hey, hey, I like that movie. What about the Lady Killers? That one's not so good. Hey, Myros would defend the Lady Killers. See, see, I I will not defend intolerable cruelty, but I I will go to interesting. Bed Lady, Killers. Lady Killers is just a, a fun movie. I mean, it's not what you expect from the Coens, but it's it's it makes me laugh. Hmm. Tom Hanks. <laughs> Playing his best Colonel Sanders. There you go. Well, the only one I don't like is, and this is probably the most unpopular out of all these, uh, I mean, it, it's unpopular to not like this one. Uh, I'll take it's coming. Hudsucker Proxy fucking sucks. Oh, get out. Oh, what? <laughs> Hot that, take. That's, that a- how, that's how we're going to get uh, our big our big clicks, man. A little clickbait <laughs> for you. You won't believe what Steve says yeah. about Hudsucker Proxy. <laughs> When I did, my jaw dropped. Or when I heard it, my jaw dropped. <laughs> when I did believe it, my jaw dropped. Yeah, that's uh, that's how that works. I don't know. But yeah, it's uh, Blood Simple is it's fantastic, and I don't think there's been, other than you know other Coen Brothers movies, I don't think there's been a neo-noir movie since then that has really touched what it did. I, I, it's, you're not going to find a tighter script than that. Oh, hell no. And it, it it really does a fantastic job again of being just complex enough and super interesting, but not diving into full on insanity. Um, like again, like The Big Sleep, which um, is kind of that prototypical noir movie where you watch it and you're like, wait, what the fuck? I don't mm-hmm. understand. So yeah, good shit. All right. Uh, another thing I want to talk about was. Uh, well, we, we already touched on this a little bit. I want to talk about Coachella, because fuck Coachella. It's my next hot take. Fuck Coachella. Who needs the desert? It's stupid. Why don't you get some water, losers, on your polo field? Who needs music festivals, really? I, I mean, that's that's a fair argument at this point. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit old to be standing out in 100-degree weather, sweating my dick off so I can wait for, you know, Radiohead to come out and play for two hours. <laughs> Do they do a full set at these festivals? 
Uh, depends on who you're going to see. Uh, like, I, I went to Coachella in 2004, oh. and uh, Radiohead played for an hour and a half, The Cure played for an hour and a half, Pixies played for an hour and a half. Everybody else was, like, 30 minutes, 45 minutes or less, depending on who you're oh. seeing. The last the last music festival I went to was um, Warp Tour, and I remember watching... Like, I was young. And I remember... <laughs> yeah, you, I remember you, watching, you were like, what, like, 28? <laughs> I remember watching Guttermouth, like, even at a young age, and just being like, why am I here? <laughs> yeah, a music festival, is, it's always a good idea until you get there, and then you're like, oh, fuck, what am I doing? Yeah. Uh, the best one that I went to was... Uh, there was the last one I went to. I went to... Uh, Austin Psych Fest a couple years ago, and it was indoors. It was the best thing in the entire world. So it was it was air conditioned and it was big, but it wasn't too big. And they had Lone Star beer cans for two dollars, so it was what? cheap. Yeah, and we uh, we had a hotel that was like right on the bus line, so we could just hop on the bus and go to the music festival, and it was it was fantastic. Hmm. So I got very drunk and didn't sweat my dick off, and I wasn't surrounded by fourteen year olds, and uh, nobody got heat stroke. It's beautiful. Nice. But yeah, this this lineup is it's goddamn abysmal. I, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, because you guys mentioned it, and my first thought was, uh, you know, I bet the headliners are kind of eh, and then after that, it's just like we're old now, so we don't understand what the kids are hip to. But there's no way. Like these aren't real people. This is a, I don't know what the fuck this <laughs> is. I don't know what the fuck I'm looking at. Uh. So the, the thing that troubles me the most is ACDC is headlining the, the, like, uh, the April 10th and 17th shows. Isn't, yeah. okay, doesn't the singer have like terminal cancer and the other guy like <laughs> diddled a kid and smoked meth? How are they doing things? <laughs> Drummer hired a hitman to kill his family, right? <laughs> yeah, was that it? I thought he was a kid killer. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, you know, oh, tomato, was... tomato. <laughs> um, well, it's their farewell tour this year. Um, so that's probably why they're doing Coachella, but it still doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, because I think that that's not one band that you can even appreciate in the ironic sense. No, like, why would you Why would you want to do, like, why do you want to see a 70-year-old man dressed like a schoolboy playing butt rock? I don't, like, what's the point? Especially when you have, you have acts like Run the Jewels in, like, the fine print. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm fucking straining here. Let me get my monocle out so I can see <laughs> bands that I give a shit about. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that first day, Run the Jewels is. Uh, I, actually, I think they're on the second day, but they're they're like third line, and that's consensus best album of 2014. Right. I will fucking I I will street fight anyone who says different. It's it's perfect. Like, why would you? And it's popular too. Like they're not, mm-hmm. not like nobody gives a shit. Uh, yeah. But uh, okay, so just just to give you an idea, above Run the Jewels on the second line, uh, we have Bad Religion. Fucking bad religion. Is it, is it 1988? Is Sum 41 there, too? Yeah, and, and I guess, I bet NoFX is going to fucking headline the main stage. Like, who gives a shit about bad religion? They're just as old as ACDC and just as terrible. <laughs> and then, uh, like, past that, uh, past the third line, you, you just, like, I don't know anyone on the fourth, the fifth. Uh, there's, there's literally no one here. It's just a bunch of shit. Uh, I, I thought I saw PJ Harvey, but it was actually someone named DJ Harvey. <laughs> Which I hope, I, I hope it's just like dubstep remixes of PJ Harvey songs. Like, DJ tribute. Yeah. 
just so so like he comes out and you hear the, the like the the opening guitar part to rid of me. It's just like do 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 do, and then just goes straight to like whoop 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 whoop. That would be perfect. I would love that. <laughs> Dubstep PJ Harvey. But still, uh, yeah. Th- th- I mean, that's the real one. That that's like just wow. Yeah, that's that's really weird. Um, I, I didn't know that they. I were think great. I think. Like I mentioned um, off air, I think um, they probably just realized what a wide net they could cast of nineteen-year-olds. Yeah, I guess so. That's that's yeah, but I mean, yes. So maybe they're just gonna play "Hey Nineteen over and over. (laughs) Oh man! And then all the dads will just be reeling in the ears and stone away the time. (laughs) Smoking the fine Columbia. Oh shit! Did somebody just fall down the stairs? What something, was that? Something terrible's happened, dude. Uh, I don't know. But any what what interests me is that you said uh, earlier that you you felt like you were too old for the music festival scene these days. So yeah, it only makes perfect sense that they're targeting uh, the sixty year old man with the lineup, uh, especially on the the tenth and seventeenth. Yeah, uh, I, that's just what Coachella needs—just a bunch of uh, geriatrics out in Death Valley. Yeah, basically, because I mean, if you look at this, okay, Interpol, you have. You know, your aging hipster crowd, people probably our age, so you're pushing 30. Uh, Tame Impala, I guess the kids are hip to that. You know, they're, they're pretty good, and they have uh, their new-ish. Uh, Bastille Dan old, ACDC old. I don't know what an Alabama shake is. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's bad country. Is, is that like a type of palsy? or what? It, <laughs> it's like restless it? leg syndrome. <laughs> restless leg syndrome, there you go. Uh, and then Ride, who I think they broke up in like 1995 or something, so all their fans are old. It doesn't make any sense. The Reverend Horton Heat. <laughs> the Reverend Horton Heat. Who and Reverend Horton Heat has actually played every single music festival in the universe since 2002. That's uh, you can look that up. That's on Wikipedia. He's, he's oh. the Santa Claus of music festivals. <laughs> Square Pusher as well, and also quite old. Yeah, that's yeah. that's another one. Who's where listening to Square Pusher? I have no idea. Uh, the answer is me in the year 2001, <laughs> and not anymore. So I don't, I don't know. And then you you go on to the next day. Okay, Jack White, who his audience is rapidly approaching, you know, full dad. Okay, you know, you know who really likes Jack White? People who work at Supercuts. Okay, that's who fucking <laughs> likes Jack White. Uh, the weekend without an people e. who have people who have never heard of the Black Keys. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's that's a hot take. Someone in Detroit's <laughs> chucking their monitor right now. <laughs> we really do sound like crotchety old men. We're like the uh, the two old guys from the Muppet Show in the fucking balcony right now. <laughs> the weekend, which is the weekend. The weekend. I'd, I'd love I'd love to see the weekend. I would love to see the other weekend, not not the one that's actually playing. Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> yeah, I'd actually actually I want to see Weekend at Bernie's too, just so I can pick that one apart. I think we're a year away from that being reenacted for the headlining set, and like Bob Seger <laughs> closes the night. I wonder if we could pitch that. Do you think, like, if we if we did a pitch to like the Miramar Theater or something, it's like we want to do like a, a a dramatic reenactment of uh, of Weekend at Bernie's too. You think they'd let us do it? Weekend at Bernie's the Opera. Yeah, Weekend at Bernie's the Opera. There you go. That you, would be you great. Didn't... You didn't mention Built to Spill either. They're playing, and they are. They're, I, I'm sorry, I can't see them. They're they're the font's too <laughs> tiny. Yeah, I'm like I'm definitely like the youngest demographic of their audience. Hey, hey, here's here's something though. There's uh two Wisconsin bands playing. Look out. Yeah, Sylvanesso and Fox. That's with right. Tiny fonts, both of them. Tiny, tiny ass fonts. Uh, it's it's all bad. It's all terrible. 
Moveon.org. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I also want to say too, just just to throw the two more things actually. One, there's a band with a with a like a carrot, like not the vegetable, but the the, the thing on the keyboard in their name, and I don't buy into that. Axwell uh, <laughs> Ingrosso. Yeah, Axwell Carrot Ingrosso. Is that the how you second say line, it? Too. Uh, who the hell knows? It's out of the second line, too. They, do you, do you pronounce headliner. the carrot? Am I going to have to consult a teen? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the worst thing is, okay, so second day, third line, uh, right between Swans, which, what the fuck, Swans are third line, okay, sure, uh, and Kasabian, which, by the way, Kasabian's still around because we got a time machine and we went back to 2005. I just read an article in Q Magazine where they were voted the best band in the world. How is that possible? The Brits. Do they even do things? What are they? I mean, that's that's not possible. That is not possible. <laughs> okay, so sandwiched in between those things, uh, Drive Like Jay, who is reuniting, and nobody cares, and that's like that's fucking huge. That's crazy. Uh, but again, it, I I don't know, old man band. I don't know who's gonna go see him. They're just gonna bum out the kids. Yeah, wow. They might as well have like a reenactment of an episode from Serial. <laughs> I feel like the promoters were probably devastated when Joe Cocker died. <laughs> that's that's the only thing that makes sense at this point. I know I was. I mourned for weeks. <laughs> weeks and weeks and weeks. They just had to go get Drake. They had Cocker. <laughs> do you mind? <laughs> Maybe do a quick, with the help of my friends, before we start the rest of your set. Oh. Not even his friends can help him now. Uh, oh, shit. Uh, there's someone named George Ezra. I thought it was better than Ezra. Maybe George Ezra's the second. <laughs> All right. Anyways, fuck Coachella. Fuck music festivals. Um, let's let's talk about good things. What, what the fuck are you guys looking forward to in 2015? There's a lot of great music coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, I... Would Tell me like, more, Sean. Well, we assume it'll be great. Yeah, um, yeah. Blind Melon is coming up with their follow-up. To, uh, <laughs> yeah, they got some oh. from Shannon Hoon. Like, yeah, sure. There's be- actually it's a hologram of Shannon Hoon. <laughs> uh, no, okay. So um, uh, I have kind of a list. So uh, we, we can assume that Kanye West uh, uses follow-up is coming. Um, sure. Anthony and the Johnsons album, um, Chance the Rapper, um, and Kendrick Lamar, ASAP Rocky. A lot of good hip hop. The uh, that Chance the Rapper track that leaked is incredible. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, which is uh, kind of the opposite of the Kendrick Lamar track, which is like so so. Mm-hmm. But but you can assume the rest will be a lot better. <clears throat> I saw him. That's the song that he performed on. Uh... Mm-hmm. Was it the, not the Daily Show, but uh, Colbert, right? Yeah. Yeah, he actually said I, I read an interview with him recently, and he said that he he just liked the energy of that song, but it's not good enough to be on his album, so he just felt like doing it live. But he's not going to actually put it on the record, oh, which good. seems like kind of a weird way to promote a record. But hey, what do I know? Yeah, uh, I thought it was the titular track, but that's weird. What? That is that is strange. Uh, hey, well, one more, just just a quick Coachella. Uh, Sloan is playing Coachella. Gee, I sure hope they're putting out a record. <laughs> it's, that's my favorite Canadian band that I don't give a fuck about. <laughs> uh, 
What, yeah. what else are you guys looking forward to? I'm actually... I, I'm really in a, in a mood this, this evening. I'm, I'm very grumpy. See, this is what happens when I don't the get pinnacle. to see the network, the network premiere of Frankenweenie. I'm just sitting here drinking <laughs> Pinnacle singles that taste like dog shit and icing and yelling about music and movies. Um, the only thing I care about in 2015 is Mr. Show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm absolutely elated that that's going to happen. Although, again, I mean, it, it, it could be like an ACDC reunion. We don't know. Uh, they're they're kind of old. What it, could be, it, could be like this, it could be like this Blind Melon it, it could be, it could be. But I'm hoping for no rain, only sunshine when the new Mr. Show stuff <laughs> comes out. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of big things, like big tentpole things for studios coming out, but none of them have got me particularly excited. Uh, Ter- Terminator Jenny, Jenny Sis, uh, not looking good at all, at all. Uh, I think that's going to be... It's going to make Terminator 3 look like a masterpiece. Uh, Star Wars, I don't know. I'm sure it'll be fine. Age of Ultron, sure it'll be fine. Uh, I'm absolutely convinced... Yeah, Jurassic World, I am absolutely 110% convinced that that's going to be absolute dog shit. Mm -hmm. You can quote me now. uh, I'll start writing my review now. I'll just just write it a few months in advance. Uh, that's, That's ethical. The trailer is, it's ridiculous. It's, like, entirely CGI, and then everyone's excited because Chris Pratt is, like, running around with raptors or something, and they're his friends. And it does probably my my least favorite thing in any sequel to, like, a monster movie, horror movie, or whatever, uh, where in the sequel they, they create, like, a, a mega monster out of, like, other monster DNA, and that's that's what they have to deal with, and that's and just I th- I think I know, lazy. I think I know how it's going to be resolved. Like, it's going to be, like, this terrible, like, baby-eating, just, like, pissed-off animal, and mm. then it's going to meet Chris Pratt, and it's going to just be like, oh, wow. It's oh, like, and, and then they'll, they'll share, like, a passionate, passionate tongue kiss, and then the, the music will come in, and just, like, really slow. Yeah. yeah. He's going to rap Forgot About Dre. <laughs> yeah, then he'll rap Forgot About Dre, and then the movie ends with a black and white slow motion hand job. It kind of looks like the, uh, the sex scene in, um, in Antichrist, but it's just a hand job with Chris Pratt and a dinosaur. That, yeah, that, that thing had a lot of problems. Why did they even release a trailer if they didn't have any, like, the practical sets built? They just CGI'd in, like, the door to Jurassic Park. and uh, Yeah, it's it's horrible. It looks and, like Jurassic Park the video game. Yeah, and Pratt seems like a... I, I mean, we all like Chris Pratt, but he's, he seems <laughs> he's like a, a miscast here. It's like he's playing like the Sam Neill grump role or something. It's like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Plus, I mean, no Goldblum, no sale for me. That's that's about it. it doesn't think, have, I think it has D'Onofrio, though. So. It does have Vincent D'Onofrio, and it does have B.D. Wong, so... Ah. You know, oh. as long as you bring in some, yeah, a lot, lot of Law and Order, which I always say, if you bring in at least half the cast of Law and Order, your movie can't be that bad. <laughs> not possible. Uh, but yeah, I, oh, I don't know. Oh. It's it's not something that I'm particularly excited about. I I don't know how it could possibly be good. I could be completely wrong. I certainly have been before. Uh, well, like once or twice probably. I'm kind of excited to hate watch it first. <laughs> Uh, well, I, and I know, Steve, you were telling me that you're really excited because uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 is coming out in April, so uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? <laughs> I just Segway comes back. <laughs> what What is the premise That's of that? literally all I fucking... What is the pre- yeah, it's, so there's this, there's this mall cop, right? His name's Paul. 
Uh, <laughs> of the second one. Oh, of the second one, I don't know. I'm 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 looking at the Movie Insider website, which has release dates and brief synopsis. Get Lenny a, on the phone. There's a there's a movie poster here, and it just says Vegas has a new high roller, and it's Paul oh, Hart oh. on the uh, subway <laughs> in the desert. Oh, oh the segue is back. Yeah. Emphasis on roller. Yeah, <laughs> high roller, uh, and it's it's rumored rumored to be directed by Andy Fickman who you might remember from such classics as Who's Your Daddy, She's the Man, and You Again. Are you sure it's not Brett Ratner? <laughs> it's, I mean, what's the difference at this point? Sean Levy. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, and there's a lot of things that there's, there's no way to actually know if it's going to be entertaining or not. Like, there's a new Fantastic Four movie, a, a reboot of that, and I'm kind of interested, but every time they leak something about it, I'm just horrified. Everything sounds terrible. Uh, the Ant-Man movie, which has been through so many different fucking uh, things, and fuck Paul Rudd, so I don't know. Did we see that trailer? That did not look... That did oh, no, I, I, didn't know there was, I didn't know there was a trailer. It, it came out. It was uh, debuted at Agent Carter uh, last week, the, the new TV show. <laughs> oh! Gee, it's too bad I didn't DVR Agent Carter. Agent, Agent Carter Banks. Agent Carter Banks, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a great one. It's got uh, it's got Munez in it. Also, there's there's a there's a remake of Point Break in the works. Yeah. That's gonna yeah, be released man. this year, and a remake of Poltergeist. Oh, and boy. Um, also a new Paranormal Activity movie. And all of these things are coming out within a month of each other, and it's not October. So March and April are officially the months of horror movies now. Uh, the Paranormal Activity movie, they changed the name from Paranormal Activity 5 to something totally ridiculous. Ah, like uh, yes, the, the, the Ghost Dimension. The Ghost Dimension. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's, which, it, it can't be any worse than the last one, the, uh, the spinoff one, which was called, like, Dias de la Spooky Time or something. <laughs> I think that was the official title. Which is also my favorite Gloria Stefan album. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's good. I really wish this whole podcast was actually just us acting like we were, like, really apprehensive about the sequel to Paul Blart. <laughs> <laughs> that would take some heavy scripting, but uh, I, I, I would be totally into that. We'll have to do that. We'll, we'll do, we'll do a, uh, a Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 anticipation podcast, <laughs> and then a Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 reaction podcast, and we'll have, like, a roundtable. Can we get a Paul Blart 2 countdown on the uh, website? Oh, sponsors. absolutely. Let's get, like, like, it's like GeoCities or something. We'll get one of those little countdown timers. We'll put it at the bottom <laughs> of the web- website. <laughs> uh, Steve, the other movie that I know you were looking forward to uh, was uh, Boo, the Bureau of Otherworldly Operations. I know you're a big fan of uh, acronyms <laughs> and Seth Rogen movies and Melissa McCarthy, so, uh, you know. Oh, fatties fall down, go boom. Yeah, fatties fall down, go boom. Hey, look out. Oh, You know who I'm out on, on 20, in 2015? Seth Rogen. Yeah, I'm, I'm done with him. I'm done I with him. Cashed my ticket. I'm done. Uh, yeah, he, that, was, he was in The Comeback, which uh, actually was quite good, the second season of The Comeback. Uh, it was on HBO. Oh, yeah, yeah. He did he, have a small role on that, and it was, it was quite excellent. He's going to be on the upcoming season of um, Broad City, too. Uh, uh, See, maybe you're getting out right at the wrong time. Speaking of yeah. HBO togetherness, this is supposed to be good. I don't know. I, I saw oh. Rogan in uh, in the movie with Zac Efron's abs, and he wasn't good in that. The abs were great, but the the, the acting not so good. 
And then I didn't see the interview because uh, I support terrorism and hacking. Yeah. <laughs> Kim Jong-un. Mm-hmm. Dear Leader. What, am I going to watch that? No. 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 I, I always side with Dear Leader. And then, of course, the last movie <laughs> I want to talk about is something that Myros has been anticipating this for, for years, since I think 2012. Uh, he always said to me, he always said, Steve, what's, what's better than the best exotic Marigold Hotel? And I would always say, I don't, I don't know, man. Probably a lot of things, but I don't know. He was very adamant about this. He wallpapered his entire room in Best Exotic Marigold Hotel movie posters. It was a weird thing. Um, and he's got this Judy Dench fetish that I just I can't wrap my mind around it. But the second Best Exotic Marigold Hotel is coming out. It's not as good as the first one, but it's definitely the second best. Did they open, like, a new chain? Yeah, that's that's what it is. <laughs> It's the TGI Fridays. Yeah, I heard they were going to screen the second best exotic Marigold Hotel at uh, Coachella. Special show. <laughs> that would be perfect. <laughs> Everyone's mom and dad will be there. It's date night. Dad gets Steely Dan. Mom gets the second best exotic Marigold Hotel. Oh, my God. So, yeah, uh, nothing, nothing really that great. What a bummer of a podcast. We're starting the year off right. Hey, can well, we I do have one thing. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I had one thing I was I was really looking forward to as as a horror fan. There's an indie horror that's been making the festival rounds called It Follows. Uh, okay. It looks pretty great. Uh, there's been a, a little bit of a good run here between the, the recent Thai West stuff and uh, the guest, which came out this year, was a festival darling that was mm-hmm. fantastic, as well as uh, the Baba Duck, which was an Australian horror that's gotten a lot of best of the year buzz actually, uh, but. It follows is kind of the next one in that line. It's got a lot of uh, John Carpenter roots. It's uh, it sounds like it's gonna be pretty subtext rich for the horror genre, and uh, it's from a Michigan filmmaker actually. Really? So, uh, yeah, yeah. Huh. yeah oh, so, um, that dude from Flint. <clears throat> Flint. Yeah. Is 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 that the uh, the 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 Fahrenheit the Fahrenheit man? Yeah, yeah. Michael Moore. <laughs> Fahrenheit nine one one. Better better call the cops. The government's bad. <laughs> you know, I just really appreciate in that bowling movie that um, which, his, which form is his, his nobody nobody uses a twelve pound ball like Michael Moore. <laughs> people in Canada don't even lock their doors. People. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Well, I did learn that bowling caused the Columbine massacre. It did. It did. That's that's what you learn. You learn that everyone in Canada just loves each other, and bowling is bad. Um, it's weird because the last time I was in Windsor, it was just everyone in the streets, and just everyone's giving each other hand jobs and giving each other compliments, compliments on their hand jobs. It's it's a beautiful thing to go to Canada. I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to. Um, Move away from this topic uh, if you guys aren't comfortable, but can we quickly honor the tw- the 20th anniversary of Houseguest? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Can I talk about what I'm looking forward to in 2015? <laughs> oh, God. Houseguest. Sorry. Sorry. You, know, you know we don't value your opinion, but uh, yeah, go ahead. No, it's fine. I <laughs> No, I, I got a, I got another Pinnacle bottle. Go for it. <laughs> I, I did just want to make a quick plug for uh, the new uh, Netflix series for Wet Hot American Summer. Is uh, just oh, in yeah. production now. Oh. Um, and apparently the entire original cast, including Paul Rudd, is going to be involved. So oh. I'm really excited about that. Apparently it's going to be an eight episode deal. 
sometime probably this summer, I guess. Wait, wait, What's um, the... is that is that Sean Levy collaborator, Paul Rudd? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what what's the I mean are are they just old now or are they pretending they're not old or I think the whole premise is that it's a prequel to Wet Hot American Summer but they're playing themselves even though they're super old young. yeah <laughs> well, that's that's part of the joke yeah 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 no I that's that's a plus I like it all right I gotta I gotta kill the last pinnacle here keep keep the train rolling Steve. Oh, well, Steve, I guess that's Steve all I thought. Tell us about, uh, tell us about uh, your experience with Houseguest. <laughs> My experience with Houseguest. Um, I saw it in the theater. Whoa. Wow. I must have been, I don't know, 10 years old when that came out? It was 20 years ago? Yes, yeah, so I was like 10 years old. And uh, the scene, <laughs> you know, the entire time... Sinbad, you know, he has to pretend to be a doctor. And first of all, it's ridiculous. They all think he's the same guy they all went to college with just because he happens to be a black man. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Do you know the actor's and name when you... of the other dude? Uh, Phil Hartman. No, no, the other black dude. Oh, no, of course not. I don't know. Black Phil Hartman. <laughs> Just the guy who shows up at the end of the movie. Looks nothing like Sinbad. Maybe I'm sorry. But don't, so you wait. Think, don't you think that's sort of... Okay, well, yeah, Steve, are you aware of what this movie is? I, I, I had never heard of it. I just... I mean, Sinbad and Phil Hartman. So are there any ties here to uh, Jingle All the Way? <laughs> yes, oh, it's goodness. bad. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> Both Just are all terrible. <laughs> I used to watch Houseguest. Like I almost, I thought about watching it, like in preparation for this, and then I, and then I was like, I've seen that movie like ten times, <laughs> and I remember everything about it. But uh, what's really interesting, and I never thought about um, when I was watching it in, you know, when I when I was a young child, it was uh, the 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 race aspect. Um, so Phil Hartman, like him and his family, are like the definition of like milk toast. Like white, like Ivy League, um, white people. Like they drive a Volvo. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, and yeah, he's supposed to be reuniting with this dude that he went to college with, uh, like years ago. And then Sid Bed shows up. I think he's on the lamb. Yeah, okay. he's running away from the law. Yeah, or some thugs or something. And uh, and then he. Somehow, I don't remember this part, but he scams his way into uh, tricking Phil Hartman that he's his old friend. Um, but what's interesting is is that uh, it's I, I think it's like trying to be like subversive racially. Okay. Um, so it's it's trying to be like Sinbad's coming to dinner. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's what you read a lot about if you read like reviews of it. But um, but but yeah, so he's kind of like. It, it's it's in a way like him showing them how stupid they are. Huh. And boy, are they stupid. But it's not that good. No, no, it's not. <laughs> I, I had actually, I've never seen it, and I hadn't heard of it until Steve mentioned it. And when Steve first sent me the text about it, or us the text about it, uh, I thought he was talking about House Party, and he had just like gotten the title wrong or something. And I was or House like, Sitter. That's, that's not Sinbad. Yeah, or House Sitter. Or yeah, House Google. Sitter is what I was thinking of, the Goldie Hawn, Steve Martin movie. Anytime someone oh. says House Guest, that just pops into my mind for some reason. Although no, I haven't seen it. House Guest is sort of the filet of the Sinbad movies. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, 
it's better than than uh, uh, first kid. That's mm. for sure. That's yeah, yeah. That's that's probably true. If you've uh, been waiting for a moment to see Sinbad wolf down a Big Mac in about oh, two yeah. bites. Yeah. It's I really mean, strange that... that go see House Guest. It's, it's like, Phil Hartman is awesome, but uh, he's not... I don't think he's in a single decent movie. His film career is pretty abysmal. <laughs> yeah, I, okay. I'm, I'm IMDBing him right now. We gotta, we need to... Yeah, he's really he's, with this. He's, he's got really some... Three Amigos hard. wasn't bad. Yeah, but he's like... Is he he's in Big Adventure? It's like, yeah, 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 he's just there. I guess he's he has some cameos and some decent movies. Sorry, but, but he's really good in bad movies. Like, he's really good in House Guest, and he's really good in Jingle All the Way. Oh, he's great in Jingle All the Way. That part where uh, Arnold calls... Well, told you could eat my cookies. Yeah, exactly, that part. He's like, oh, they're so good, I'm going to have to get the recipe. And Arnold's like... <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. Those are my cookies. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm looking right now. Uh, it's it's not looking good for him. Not looking good at all. At, uh, at all. This is no. this is really bad. Wow. <laughs> and and the funny thing is too is he's he's in a lot of bad movies where you're like wow that's horrible I didn't even know he was in that. Uh, Stewart saves his family. Who knew? Cartman oh, had a cameo. A loaded uh, the, weapon one. <laughs> oh God, the crazy sitter. Uh, ooh. <laughs> Coneheads. He was in Small Soldiers, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he is. Oh, he's in Sergeant Bilko. Uh, that's not good, but Small Soldiers no, that's good. He's in CB4. I like CB4. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess, I, yeah, you kind of have to. Oh, he's in Quick Change, too. That's where Bill Murray's a clown. See, that's uh, Fletch Lives. Uh, no. I do remember him in Fletch Lives. That's a really small role. Yeah, uncredited in Spaceballs. Ugh, yeah, not not doing so great here. Huh. Sorry, Phil Harbin. I love you, but uh, get a better agent. Well, not yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> a better agent. I heard they have the wife. best agents in heaven. Yeah, get it. How... <laughs> <laughs> I just... we can go back in time. <laughs> yeah. All, all I can think of is is uh, that, that would you know my name if I saw you in heaven song, but it's just, would you make better movies if you had a better agent in heaven? <laughs> oh my god! Uh, is that the is that Bob Carlyle? That's it. No, I wish that, that would be Pla- that be Phil Hartman kisses. <laughs> Eric Clapton's about his son who died, Clapton. Sean. Yeah, <laughs> sounds very derivative. of Fell out of a window and he wrote a song about him. <laughs> yep, he did. Or is it actually about Paul McCartney's wife? We'll never know. Uh, she's alive though, so that doesn't work. No, she's she's dead. Is she dead? dead. Linda? She's dead? Oh, Linda? sorry. She's been dead for twenty years, buddy. Oh, well, I don't really pay attention. Maybe maybe not quite that long. It's been you know that that Paul McCartney McCartney guy. I think he's got a big career ahead of him after he did that Kanye track. <laughs> All right. Anyways, uh, we gotta wrap things up. Uh, I'm drunk. I drank all the Pinnacle vodka. Uh, I'm gonna rank these real quick. Cinnabon tastes like, like, like icing smeared on an asshole. Uh, peach is the worst, so Cinnabon's second worst. Uh, salted caramel and whipped. I did at the same time because that seemed like a good idea, and that was okay. So salted did, caramel. Did you, whipped, did whipped. you go straight the whip? I, I definitely I go strength the whip. It was weird. I actually I just dumped it on my head. I didn't actually <laughs> put it in my mouth. I get drunk by osmosis, and then I butt chug the peach because I, I was just kind of feeling it in the moment. 
All right, so uh, real quick, let's. Uh, what are you guys putting over this week? Nothing. Nothing is good this week. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Maybe we're all polite. Fuck the internet. Somebody to start. <laughs> we can't end up butt chugging. All right. Uh, I'm gonna put over. Let's see. I, I I don't know what I'm putting over. I got nothing right now. <laughs> Somebody else is gonna have to go first. All right. I'm gonna. Oh, go ahead. Go, Steve. Go. <laughs> I was gonna. <laughs> I was gonna put ahead. Put ahead. This. Am I talking correctly right now? Maybe. Maybe. Put. I'm gonna put over. Uh, it's a disaster, which uh-huh. is, I believe, a 2012 film that I just saw on Netflix for the first time, with uh, David Cross, Julia Stiles, and America Ferrera, uh, and a bunch of other people who I don't know the names of right now. But uh, the premise of the film is that they're all having a couple's brunch. And it's on the same day that the world is experiencing its worst terrorist attack, and they're all gonna die. What a disaster! Um, it's it's a disaster. <laughs> the titular disaster. The titular, titular disaster. Uh, don't you mean the eponymous disaster? Nope. <laughs> Definitely Never. titular. Okay. Always titular. <clears throat> all right, I know what I'm putting over right now. I actually I, I put up a tab on on. My browser and I just didn't look at it. Uh, I was I was too I was stacking the pinnacle bottles into a pyramid, and I kind of got distracted. Uh, I'm putting over the Canon, which is another podcast. Because oh, yeah. why are you listening to this one? Listen to a different podcast. Uh, the Canon is uh, Devin Farachi Farasi Farachi. I think he's the head editor from Badass Digest, and Amy Nicholson, who does film reviews for LA Weekly, and they just pick a movie or sometimes two movies every week, and they talk about them. And they decide if they should be in the you know the official film canon or not. Uh, one always argues for, the other argues against, and then they have a like a little forum thing on the Wolf Pop website, uh, who hosts the the podcast. And then the people on the forums kind of vote if you know this movie or that movie is going to go in the canon. So they just they discussed the 400 blows last week, and that was really really cool. Before that, they did the best movie of 2014. So Amy chose. Uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel, and Devin chose Guardians of the Galaxy. And, yeah, it's cool. It's good stuff. Well, yeah, Listen to other podcasts. Steve, it's uh, Diane Cannon. The Diane Cannon. Steve, do you usually uh, side with one or the other? I've, I've been listening to this as well, and I have I like it, but I have some strong feelings about it. I, You know, it, it's, a, I, it's, it's hard to say because... On some movies, I, I tend to I tend to side with Amy more than I side with Devin. For sure. Which is funny because as far as like reading their reviews go, I love Devin's reviews and I don't like Amy's movie reviews as much. But I always side with Amy. That's interesting. I was gonna I was going going to do that next and see see which one. But uh, what I will like about Devin Faraci's reviews is that you can't tell that he's pronouncing Grand Budapest Grand Budapest. <laughs> and then Amy gets pissed at him. She's like, "Why are you doing that?" He's like, "That's the way you're supposed to pronounce it." She's like, "No, stop it. You sound like an asshole." Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I think the thing that really got me on you know Team Amy here was at one point they did Inception, and Devin's defense of Inception was horrible, and Amy just like completely tore his asshole out on it, and it was incredible. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I guess this is a great podcast for us because we're promoting other people's podcasts and also <laughs> vodka that doesn't sponsor us. So, uh, and I, <laughs> um, I watched uh, a couple movies this week. Um, 
I, I finally got around to watching Blue is the Warmest Color, mm-hmm. um, which is from 2013 with um, uh, Adele Exarchopoulos and, uh, and Leah Seydoux, I think you pronounce it, uh, mm-hmm. a French movie by the dude who did The Secret of the Green, which nobody has probably heard of. Um, but uh, just wait, wait, wait! I, I gotta, I gotta stop you real quick. There's, a, there's a laugh track in the background right now. So <laughs> what you're is talking about this? <laughs> it's amazing. Sorry, there's house guests arriving for a party right now. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. Right. So I was like, here's this serious art movie, and then it's just like <laughs> fucking laugh track. <laughs> Go ahead, Sean. He's got a house guest. <laughs> just a house full of Sinbad. God damn it, Sinbad! <laughs> <laughs> no, Somebody but, uh, get the Big Macs. Um. It, it's it, it was nice to see a movie that um, that sort of like lived up to, to your expectations of it. But I will say, if you are watching it and you have either house guests, don't watch it with house guests. Um, also, don't don't watch it like I had to watch it in like different installments because I had fatigue from like keeping my hand on the mute button. So my roommates didn't think I was watching pornography. <laughs> And so I was at one point. I was just like, okay, I need to like pick this back up tomorrow. Sean, um, is, is what you're saying is I should recommend this movie to my conservative Christian mother? You know what's really funny? Um, one of my roommates was watching. Uh, she was watching some movies with her uh, boyfriend's mom uh, the other day, like a like a movie marathon. And they were bu- they were about to start Obvious Child, and I was like, oh, I really love that movie. Um, and the next the next day, she was like, "Yeah, we had to turn it off." She's <laughs> ultra conservative. I was like, oh, I, "I should have said something." Oh Jesus! But anyway, that's great. Uh, I should I should have flipped that out of my family Christmas. It would have gone over great. <laughs> but yeah, blue is the warmest color. Um, just just watch it. Uh, the the lead, um, Adele. She is like, it's like the best performance I've seen since I don't I don't know when. It's just it's so so good. All right. Uh, so who do we got now? Uh, Myros, you, you still got to put something over. What are you putting uh, over? Well, I did mention it when I was talking about uh, It Follows, mm-hmm. but uh, I just saw The Guest a couple weeks ago. It's uh, from Adam Wingard. Uh, he directed Your Next last year. Uh, kind of a subversive retro horror. Plays with horror tropes a great deal. Uh, the Guest is fantastic. It's the most fun movie I've seen in ages. Uh it's Since Paul Blart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where, where would you put it on the Paul Blart scale? <laughs> it's like, uh, Paul Blart. well, it's hard to match up with old Paul. I mean, Dan Stevens uh, does not ride around on a Segway. It's, it's not it, it's inadequate pratfalls, I would say, mm. on the Paul mm. Blart scale. But uh, yeah, Dan Stevens of me disinterested. Yeah, of of Downton <laughs> Abbey fame. Uh, he, he plays like this sort of 80s stereotype action fellow with a sinister past. And uh, basically, it's just if you're, if you're into the retro horror, if you uh, like your horror comedy, uh, it is top-notch. It's absolutely fantastic. I would recommend it to just about anyone. All right. Good shit. Uh, so, yeah, that, that about wraps things up. Sean's got a brand-new article on... Uh, on that movie, Enough Said. On that movie, you know. He's got a brand new article on Enough Said. It's on OptimismVaccine.com. You can read about it because mm-hmm. it's great. It's fantastic. Dare I say, some of Sean Glynnis' finest work. 
No. <laughs> when I read the article, oh, my yeah. jaw dropped. Uh, and I'll have my review of An Air Advice up on Monday. And, uh, yeah, that about wraps things up. So, this has been the Optimism Vaccine Cast. I'm Steve Cuff, and I'm with Adam Myros. I'm with Sean Glittis. I'm with Steve Coleman. Let's go see Parker Courts at Coachella. Let's go do it. Drink. 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 Drink.